Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. With you all today, I always get excited when we get to open up the Word of God together. Aren't you excited to go through the Word? How many of you have been enjoying our trek through 1 John so far? I've been convicted and encouraged every time we go through this. Pastor Jake and Pastor Jenny do such an amazing job at walking us through the scriptures. And like I said, I've just been very encouraged. And I'm honored to be able to take these next few minutes with you and go through these three verses that I'm going to go through. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me in them to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. That's where, we'll, where we will be for a little bit. I'm going to read them, all three of them, and then we'll go through them after. I'm reading in the New King James. It says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. This is God's word. Let's jump right into it, okay? So this first verse, do not love the word or the, the world or the things in the world, for the love of the Father is not in those who love the world. Why is John saying this to us? Why was he writing this to the believers back then? And why is the Holy Spirit still reminding us of that today? And I believe it's because this world slowly entangles us and wraps us up. When I was preparing for this message, I got a picture of an octopus. And as I'm walking along this Christian life that we're on, this octopus, which is the things of this world, would slowly wrap its tentacles around my ankles and my knees and my calves. And eventually I was doing this, and then I would fall over because I would take my eyes and my mind and my heart off my Heavenly Father and look at the things of this world. The things of this world so easily entangle us, so easily ensnare us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping off every unnecessary weight in the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. We can clearly see that the writers of the New Testament and of all of Scripture, I would believe, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is trying to communicate something to us as believers back then and now. Do not trade the things of this world for your heavenly Father's love. Don't take your eyes off him. Focus on him in all that you do. See, this world would love nothing more than for you to just be a Sunday Christian. The world would totally be okay for you to live your Christian walk here in these chairs for two hours like Pastor Jake said and then go on your way from Monday to Saturday. That's not what the Bible teaches about Christianity. That's not what I've experienced. That's not what God speaks to me and prods me and pushes me into. It's every day being in his word, being with the body of believers. Hebrews says it, do not forsake the gathering of believers. Why is that? Because together we will be stronger. Together we can lean on each other. Together we can walk with one another. 
Uh, as I usually read uh, my Bible, I always have a commentary there. Physical would be preferred because I like flipping through pages. But if not, I use my phone. You can just Google them. Um, Barclay is a great one that Pastor Jake and Jenny love. I looked up this one. Matthew Henry has a commentary. And what he says on this verse really struck me. It says this, the world draws the heart away from God. And the more the love of the world grows, the more the love for God decays. Isn't that an amazing picture? The more we look at the world, the love for the Father will dwindle. The more we look at God, the love for the world will dwindle. It will fade. That is what we need to do as Christians. We cannot get so wrapped up in the things of this world and this earth where we slowly start to take our eyes off our Heavenly Father and look at the things of the world. I'm not saying the things of the world, all of them are bad. There are some that are bad. The, the problem is, the, the point where it becomes bad is this, when it takes the place of our Heavenly Father. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's when we will decay. What does decay, um, when, I, when, when I speak that word decay, when you hear it, what does it communicate to you? Death. A disgusting, putrid, decaying creature. That's what I see. That's what John is saying. The Holy Spirit is saying to us, do not let your faith decay. Do not let it dwindle. Do not let it fester. It's a disgusting word, isn't it? Putrid and fester. I don't want my faith to be putrid. I don't want my faith to fester. I want it to blossom and grow. I want it to be a flame that gets fanned every single day. And who fans it? The Lord. And gathering with believers. Encouraging one another. Do not let it decay. This world would love nothing more than to see your Christianity and your faith stop. Do not forsake your heavenly Father for the things of this earth. Verse 16. I'm going to read it in the New King James. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. Let's break these things down. I love the way John does this. He's so point blank, black and white, easy to follow, easy to understand. He also doesn't give you any you know, loopholes. I've looked for some. They're not there. You will not find them. The word of God is perfect. Amen? Okay. So A, the first one, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, things like whatever feels good to you. If you don't know what the lust of the flesh is, things like whatever feels good. Barclay, another commentator, says this, to live a life dominated by your senses. Do we want to be dominated by our senses? I don't. Because my flesh is horrible. If I had it my way, it, it would just be disgusting. I'm a human being. I'm a, a sinner. But I'm saved by God's grace. When I hear the word dominated, I, I, the picture in my mind is like being under somebody's thumb. You are dominated by them. They dominate everything. Your thoughts, your emotions, your life. How you walk, how you talk, where you go, who you sit with. Do not be dominated by your flesh, by your senses, I want to be dominated by Christ. You may be, that's weird. You're, you just said dominated is like underneath the thumb. Yes, I want to be underneath Christ's thumb. 
I want to be underneath my heavenly Father's right hand. That is where I want to be because that is the safest, most wonderful, beautiful, awesome place in all of creation is to be in the Father, to be dominated by him. I want to be a slave for Jesus. A slave is a, is a very loaded word. It's a very, uh, it, it can pose a lot of harsh and negative things. But I want to be a slave for Christ because that's the safest place that I can be. That's the safest place that you can be is when you are a slave for Christ. Because actually, and this is a side note, there is way more freedom being a slave for Christ than being a slave to something else. Slave in the Christian term, it does not mean bound up when you are in Christ. You guys following me? Some of the stuff I think about is, uh, for the flesh is food addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, alcohol addiction. I don't know about you, but um, I like ice baths or ice showers. I, I just, I like that stuff. I don't know. Anybody else do ice plunges or anything like that? A couple people. Okay, great. That's awesome. Not very many. <laughs> yeah, the 9 o'clock service had a couple. I don't like leading up to these ice baths. I don't like it. I don't like the cold plunge. I don't want to do it. My flesh says, don't do it. Leave it on hot. You'll be way better. It's relaxing. It's fine. But the stuff that comes after, how I feel after of forcing myself to stay in those moments and breathe deeply and calm myself, don't run away, Jacob. Don't run away. Don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. Just stay there. Stay there. Breathe. Breathe. I love what comes after because I feel more alive. I feel refreshed. My body feels ready to rock and roll. That was physical. Let's talk about spiritually. Tithing and fasting. Yikes. Come on. Tithing and fasting. <laughs> you know, my wife sometimes joke, we joke together as we, as we leave church. Uh, I'm the tithe guy. Not actually. But I do host the services quite a bit, and I love talking about tithe. And I honestly never really did until Pastor Jake and Jenny has allowed me to, to host the services. And it's really changed my heart and my mind on how I view tithe, and it's changed our relationship. Because it's hard sometimes to get rid of $400 when you look at your bills. Sometimes we look at our bills and we're like, I don't know. Do we? Do we not? What do you mean, do we? The Bible says that we should. Jesus says that we should. All of it is his anyways. So let's give. And I usually say this when I say, when, when we do the giving, I say, let, uh, let it make us more into your image, Jesus. Make us more like your image, Christ. That is our desire. Same with fasting. These things, both tithing and fasting, hurt the flesh. We don't like doing it. I don't like fasting necessarily. I'm going to be honest with you. I do not like fasting. I love what comes in it and through it, though. See, my flesh is punished and put down. You know, Paul says, he must increase and I must decrease. That is what we are saying. That is what John is saying to us. Sometimes I crave so much the food if I'm in a fast. I, I want a, an O. Henry bar or I want an ice cream from Banter or I want the junk food, what feels good. But it's in those moments when I'm crying out to my father in my, in my secret place and I'm just praying and, and weeping over the word and saying, God, help me, speak to me, give me breakthrough, show me where to go, what's my next step. It's in those moments when the Holy Spirit comes and comforts me and shows me what to do, how to live. And that's when the flesh is squeezed out of you and his beautiful spirit is made more alive and vibrant in you. I desire that. Do you desire that? 
Don't live a life dominated by your senses. These two things, tithing and fasting, force your body and your flesh and your mind to realign and look at Christ again. Look at the Father. That's why we do it every Sunday. That's why we talk about it all the time. Some of you may be thinking, man, they got to talk about tithes so much. Yeah, we do. The Word talks about it. And I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Christ. Do you guys want to be more like Christ? We need to be more like Christ in every area of our lives. Okay, B, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. The first thing I thought of when uh, I was preparing for this message was the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet. You shall not covet. In looking this up, there's this picture that came up on Google, and it was a little poster you can buy for a nursery or uh, your children's bedroom. I think we'll probably get this because it was really cute. And I love the way that they summed up this last one on thou shalt not covet. It says this in the children's one, be happy with what you have. Don't wish for other people's things. That's a word for somebody today. Be happy with what you have. Don't wish for other people's things. I'm guilty of this. I'm not just preaching this because, you know, this is what, no. These notes are stuff that God has pointed out in my life as well. I'm preaching to myself. Be happy with what you have. Don't wish for other people's things. You know, we as human beings, um, we like to covet. We're pretty good at it. We always have been. Social media has given us a hyperlink to covet that much faster. You pull up social media, it's like, boom, you can covet if you want to. Sometimes we get so tempted and wrapped up in other people's lives and what they are doing that we miss what God is doing in our own life. Let me put it like this way. Sometimes we can be so busy looking at other people's blessings and callings that we miss our own blessings and callings because we're too busy looking at them. Let's not be a church. Let's not be a church. Let's not be a people who are looking at other people saying, why don't I have that? Let's be a church who looks at Christ and says, what do you have for me? How can I walk in love? Show me what you have. We can encourage people, congratulate them. That's one of the, you know, um, Jesus says, bless, bless your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Man, once I started doing that, I found that the enemy doesn't have any hold on me. Because the moment he says, covet this and look at that and why aren't you speaking here and why aren't you doing that? Why are you still, still working your job and you don't like your job? Why are all these things? The moment I say, you know, bless him. I pray that you bless his family. Give him more money. Give him the raise that I want. Give him $10. I don't care, Lord. Bless him immensely. Let him come to you. The moment I do that, I'm taking my eyes off the things of this world. I'm looking at my heavenly father and say, Lord, it's all up to you. It doesn't matter what they have. It doesn't matter what they do. Because I'm looking at you. That's what we need to do as a church. That's what John is saying, the lust of the eyes. When you take your eyes off God, you can miss the specific and special blessing that God has just for you. Don't miss those things. Don't miss them. Listen to God. Listen to his heart for you. He cares for you and loves you. See, this last one, the pride of life. This is my favorite one. It's weird to say, but it is my favorite one. The reason why it's my favorite one is because I get the most convicted when I read it at this point in my life. Because for me, it sounds like this. 
I provide for my family. I work the 50 to 60 hour work week. The paycheck comes in. I work for that money. I slaved in my hours away for my job, and they gave me that money. I did this by my own hands. My retirement savings plan is going to carry me through, or my this and my that. I, 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 me, me, me. It sounds like pride. It sounds like pride. I got this. I love the way the Amplified Version says this. It says, and the pride of life, and then in brackets it says, assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. Isn't that amazing? Assurance in one's own resources or in the stability of earthly things. I want to take a break from 1 John for just a moment. I'm going to tie this all together. Go with me to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. Remember, we're talking about the pride of life right now. So keep that in the back of your your mind, okay? Genesis chapter 9, verse 14. I'm going to set the stage for you. Uh, No one in his family just been in the ark. They just touched down on a mountain or on land, wherever it is. Uh, And God is going to make a covenant with Noah for all creation. And uh, he's going to, well, let's see. Let's just jump into it. Chapter 9, verse 14, it says this. I'm reading of the New King James. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. This is God speaking to Noah, okay? This is literally God speaking. Between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Verse 16, the rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So clearly God is saying, I am making a promise to you, Noah, and to all your descendants and to all creation." That I will never again flood the earth, the whole earth. And he says, Noah, this is how I see it. Noah, I'm going to put a big neon sign in the clouds. You cannot miss it. Have you ever seen a rainbow before? It's like, boom, it's right there. You can't miss it. Right? It's, It's huge. It's as vast as the heavens. Sometimes it spans. You can see the whole thing. You can see the end of the rainbow. It's massive. Just remember that. It's a massive sign. Okay, Genesis 11. Literally, it's probably on the same page or maybe one page over. So not much time has passed. I'm going to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 11. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. I recently was at a men's conference with my dad. It was a wonderful time. And the Bible teacher, the pastor there, went through this and pointed something out that I never, never, ever picked up on until then. And I want to share it with you because it changed how I viewed this story. If you notice in one of the verses, it says this. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar, and they baked the bricks thoroughly. Why? They could have used tall, tall trees and 
you know, the biggest, strongest trees you could find. They could have lived in tents like they probably already did. Why would they do that? It's because brick and asphalt are waterproof. Why was it so tall? It's because if God ever flooded the whole earth again, it had to reach the heavens so they could all get up in it. And they would be fine. Basically what they were saying is, praise the Lord because we see your covenant with us. And thank you, Jesus. We love you. Or thank you, God. Jesus wasn't there yet. Thank you, Lord. Uh, so praise the Lord if the flood comes and praise him if it doesn't. They weren't choosing to believe and trust in the covenant that God made with them. They saw it and they acknowledged it, but they didn't believe in it. What did they believe in? What did they rest in? They rested in their hands, the pride of life, earthly things, earthly. I did this with my own hands, and that's what they were relying on. Church, let us not be a people who relies on our own hands, who relies on our own security. That is not where we need to be. That is not where the Bible calls us to be. Jesus calls us to be in the heart of the Father. And his steady and mighty right hand will save us. And we do not need to worry. Let's go to verse 17. You guys with me so far? Is it making sense? Good. Verse 17. I'm going to read it out of the ESV. And the world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. The world and its desires are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. All those things that we just discussed, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they will pass away. They will not remain. And I'm sure, you know, if you could ask those people who built that tower and built that city out of tar and asphalt and everything, I'm sure you would hear them say, this will never fall. This will never fail. The mightiest winds and the heaviest storm, the rains could come, and this will stand. Oh, let it not be said of us that we look at our bank accounts and we look at our cars and our houses and say, this will not fall. This earth is passing away, and I am looking for a new heaven and a new earth. That is where my hope and my joy lie. It is in him, not, as in, what I, not in what I can do here, what I can do here will, will fade away. It will pass away. That's what the scripture tells us. Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus says this. Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasure on, in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. That is where we should live and, and put our lives and invest our lives. See, you are, you are either building a kingdom here or you're investing in the one to come. Building here, investing for the one to come. Now, don't get me wrong. Does God use us to build his kingdom here? Yes, don't get technical on me. Understand my words. Investing is saying that I'm an instrument and a tool to be used by my heavenly father. Building is saying I will build. I built the house. I built the car. I, do you know what I'm trying to say? It's, we're not the builders. Were you there at creation? 
No, I was neither. We are not builders. We are investors. And as an investor, you can build the kingdom of God. That is what we are called to do as Christians on this earth. We, we, pray, we pray this prayer. I hope you pray it all the time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We don't say my kingdom come and my will be done because it would be horrible if it was my kingdom and my will be done. Because I'm sinful, my flesh is weak. We say thy will be done or your will be done. Thy kingdom come, your kingdom come. Not mine, not yours. I like you guys, but I don't know if I actually, I know I wouldn't want to live in your kingdom. I really do love you, but I know that I wouldn't want to live in your kingdom. Do you want to live in your own kingdom? Okay, couple people. Cool. I don't want to. I want to live underneath my father. I want to live in his kingdom. That is where I lie. That is where my heart wants to be, is with my father for all eternity. You know, I know some people, not very many people, who are wealthier. They're blessed. They're not serving the Lord at the moment, and I'm praying that they will. I pray so fervently that they will turn and recognize Christ as their Lord and Savior. But what they are doing is they are building their kingdom here. They have beautiful houses. They have wonderful cars, nice motorcycles. They get to go on vacation every three months. I get to see all about it on social media. They're building their kingdom here. They will experience their heaven here. Heaven in, you guys understand what I'm saying, right? They will experience their heaven here. Their joy, their pleasure, all this stuff, they will experience it here. That is not where I am going to experience. Where I and where all of you who follow Christ are going to experience heaven is with him, the Father. When there's a new heaven and a new earth, don't get caught up in building your kingdom here. It's only going to fall. And I say that, with, like, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be, I'm being sincere. I'm being sincere. And so is the scriptures. When Christ came, he could have had everything and anything. Right? When he was tempted, what did the serpent tempt him in the desert with? Everything. He took him to the tops of the tops. He saw everything. You can have everything if you just what? Bow down to me on earth. What did Jesus do? He rebuked him. He quoted scripture. And the devil left him. That is what we must do as Christians. When the enemy tempts us, when the enemy tries to wrap us up, do not fall prey to his schemes. They never change. Ever. They never do. And I'm guilty of this. I still fall prey to them. You know when I'm most weak? When I haven't been in the word. When I haven't been in prayer. When I haven't been coming to church. When I haven't been tithing. When I haven't been fasting. When I haven't been with the gathering of believers. Get plugged in. Tithe. Serve the body. Love other people well like Christ did. That is all you're supposed to do. Let Christ do the rest. I have had to learn this the hard way. I have put myself in front of Christ many of times. You can ask Pastor Jake. He so wonderfully gets the opportunity of mentoring me. I have put myself ahead of him. 
And it only led to me falling on my face and not in reverential awe, in the mud. <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? Let's be a church and a body who falls on our face in reverential awe and not in the mud because we failed. And if you do fail, let me, ask, let me, let me answer this too. If you do fail, Christ is there with you. He is for you. He has paid the price for you. So if you do fall in the mud, which I probably will, I will. Actually, I know I will. I'm not even going to say probably. I actually will. But when I do, I will reach up and fix my eyes on him once again and say, Heavenly Father, will you lift me up? Will you wash me white as snow? Will you forgive me? Take me on the path. There's a wide path and a narrow path, as we read in the scriptures. I want to be on the narrow path. I do not want to be on the wide path. The wide path leads to death. That's the way the world is walking and the way that your flesh would like you to walk because it pleases the senses. It pleases your flesh. The narrow path leads to life. The narrow path is what John is saying here. You will abide forever with your heavenly Father. Is the narrow path fun? Earthly speaking, no. Spiritually speaking, it's unbelievable. Pastor Jenny referenced it during worship. She said that they were just at Disney World, Disneyland. And she said, I was super excited about the roller coaster and it was a lot of fun. But nothing compares to this. Being in the presence of your, the Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you and through you, making you more into the image of his son, Christ. Do not fall prey to the schemes of this world. Be completely enveloped in Christ and his word, in the Father. I want to end with a song, not that I'm singing, don't worry. Yeah. It, um, when I was preparing for this message over the past little bit here, I was asking God, what do you want me to say? How do I finish this? And this song was brought to my mind, in my heart, and it is a, uh, it's a beautiful song that I think so clearly sums up what John is saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying to all of us today. The reason why it's so beautiful Because you can tell that the writer of this song truly understood what it means to walk the Christian life in this song, in that moment of her life. These are what the lyrics say. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth they will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. I want nothing less than for us as Christians to never forget every moment to look at Christ. Look at our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us and has nothing but the best for us. Jesus is the only way. 
let us as a church fix our eyes on him. Stand with me. If God has been speaking to you at all through the message and through the word of God, which I pray that he has, if he's been speaking to you through the power of, your whole, of the Holy Spirit in your heart, that there are some things that you've taken your eyes off the Heavenly Father, now you're looking at the things of this world and you're getting wrapped up. Maybe you're falling more than you should or you're landing in the mud. Take a moment while we sing this song together. Repent of those things. Fix your eyes back on your Heavenly Father, His beautiful Son who died for you and loves you, cares for you. And just say, Lord, fill me. Help me realign myself with you, Jesus. I want to walk in your steps. I want to love like you loved. I want to teach like you taught. I want to pray for people like you prayed for people. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done today in my life. Let's sing this song together. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Fall in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow sweet. so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.